Thank you. Uh, this week, again, uh, I'm Jim, and my wife is Deborah. She couldn't be here today because she's out of town visiting her mom, um, but she'll be back next week. And uh, as was spoken already, we feel now that this is going to be our home church, and uh, we're blessed to be a part of it, and we're blessed to see what God is getting ready to do and has done is getting ready to do even greater measure. And today we, uh, we proclaim it, and we believe it, and we shout it from the rooftops, the glorious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I know when David said it is good to be in the house of the Lord, it is good to go to the house of God. Uh, it's just something special when we can get, gather together and just, just proclaim the name of Christ and just come in, in, in a unified way to glorify him and his church and what he's doing in the furtherance of his kingdom. So that's what we've come here today. I hope you've come today with an expectation of hearing from God, from, from experiencing a living God that is right here, right now for a time such as this. So I'm, we're blessed. I'm blessed to be here. I consider it an honor when Pastor Lucas asked me to, to uh, share my heart this week uh, when he was away. I thought that was an awesome opportunity to, to get maybe get to know you guys a little better and you get to know us a little better and uh, just go from there. So we just keep it. One of the most beautiful things about this church is that it's, it's we don't sweat the big things, you know, just too much. God is uh, such a good God, and he's made it so simple and so clear for us. Sometimes we complicate things. So, so what's so sweet about this place is we can just simplify and just get, just get real, stay real, and not have to worry about all that other junk that's floating around out there. Last week, Pastor Lucas, um, well, actually all summer, we've been talking about um, stories from Jesus. You know, all his, well, not all of them, but a lot of the stories that, that uh, Lucas has brought forth uh, this week and, and or last week, he was talking about, I'm sure everybody here knows the text, the verse, and what exactly what he was talking about, but just a refresher for those of us that aren't quite up. He was talking about in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, where um, Jesus' last words were to go and make disciples or make followers, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, and then teaching them everything that Christ taught them. And uh, he, he expounded upon that, the importance of that. And so I just kind of want to push, push off there. That'll be our push-off point and, and maybe just touch on what was going on. And in that, in that passage that Pastor was talking about last week, basically what was happening is Jesus was given his last words. He was getting ready to share his heart, or in essence, and maybe our term, he was having a staff meeting. He was getting his staff together and giving them directives to what the purpose of their being should be and would be. And in that, we know that if I'm pretty sure maybe almost most of the room has been employed or is employing other people. And you know that when productivity needs to be increased, what do you do? You have a staff meeting. Me, personally, I hate meetings. For me, most of the time, they're, they're a waste of time. It's just men blowing off steam and women blowing off steam about something that's probably really not that important to begin with and just consuming a lot of time that we could be using for other things. But this was important. This was, so when someone's last words are given, we tend to, to give those words more weight. Um, I don't know if any of you have brothers or sisters. I'm sure you do that 
you, well, me and my brother, we always had to have the last word. Regardless of what was going on, whoever got the last word seemed to come out ahead in our perception. So last words are important. Last will and testament. The last will, the, the, the heart of a believer or a person who, who documents his last words or his last will um, holds weight. So Christ's words obviously hold a significant amount of our effort today in the church. That is what we should be doing. And in essence, he was having a staff meeting. Not long after that is where we pick up, where this guy named Paul, Jesus called Paul to be uh, a supervisor, if you will, to another group of people in, in a different region, in a different sect. And, and this guy, Paul, had an experience with Christ. Paul was one of those, and I'm sure most of you know, Paul was one of those guys who were completely against what Jesus was doing when he was here on earth. And he had that experience. So Paul is now the head supervisor for, let's say, the northwestern region in that, in that sect of, of area, that, that region of area. Paul hears from Christ personally. And Jesus tells Paul, and I'm paraphrasing, he tells Paul, listen, I got you set up in this region over here, and I need you to go give those guys where I couldn't get in Jerusalem, get them on board with the staff meeting and the protocol. So Paul, our text will be found today in Philippians 3, and we're going to be in short, short text, 13 and 14. That's where we're going to kind of camp for a little bit. We find that Paul goes to the northwest region and has this staff meeting or attempts to have a staff meeting with the, these people in Philippi. And in Philippi, these guys, they love Jesus. They love the God and they love the Lord and their, their heart was towards him and the things of God. But how many know that there are times in our lives that, you know, life wears on us? It's like rushing waters over a rock. Over time, that rock is smaller and smaller and smaller, and life tends to slow us down, maybe. So when Paul gets to this group of people, he sees that productivity in the northwest region isn't as great as it possibly could be or should be. So he shares his heart. And in this whole chapter, we find that, that Paul is teaching about his past, his present, and his future. And really for us at Coastal, I believe that we ought to be looking at the present, here and now. Uh, my wife and I really believe that God has something, something special, <coughs> excuse me, special in store for us, and and we just want to ride the wave of Jesus in this place. I know Lucas is a big surfer guy, so we get as many many references to waves and water as we can, get it uh, documented that we're on board with his train of thought. He goes there, Paul goes to these people in Philippi, and he, and he, and he sees that there is, there is, some, there is some wear, there is some, some hardships in which they are enduring, which is, which is affecting their productivity for the kingdom of God. In effect, the, the, the protocol in Jesus' last words is to build his kingdom here on earth. We are the people who are supposed to be doing that. We are the staff. In our, in our talk this morning, Christ goes to these people, or well, through, through Paul, or Christ speaks his heart through Paul to these people. 
And uh, in Ephesians 3.13, it reads, depending on your translation, it says, Brethren, I count myself, not myself, yet to have laid hold, but one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and stretching forward to the things which are, which are ahead or before. I press on towards the goal unto the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And the last verse, which probably won't be up there, is 15. It says, let us therefore, as many are as perfect, be thus minded. And if anything, ye are otherwise minded, this also shall God reveal to you. Paul is looking and seeing issues within the group of people, in the staff that he's talking to. And he's saying today, in the very first part of this text, he's saying, listen, I know, I know where, you, where you're coming from. I've been there. And as any good leader, any good communicator will always use an illustration to try to make, make those words come alive or get them to stick. And, and that, this is exactly what Paul does here. And he uses a very common illustration, which is a runner, uh, a marathon runner, or the Olympics, uh, uh, an athletic event, um, something that would really take hold of who they are, where they are, and the time they're at. And right off the bat, he says, if he would give these people a point, a couple points to, to help increase their productivity or to help their, their inner person, their spirit, their soul, who they are, to become disciples, the final words of Jesus, so that they can do what Christ has called them to do because they know who they are and what their objective is. Right off the bat, Paul says, listen, this thing I know, I have not arrived. I know you guys are feeling what you're feeling, but I want you to understand that I haven't yet taken hold of this thing, meaning Christ, the understanding of who God is and who Christ is and the glorious riches that have been, have been placed at our feet and at his feet. He hasn't gotten there yet. We've all probably can testify to the fact that we know people who have arrived. They think and always have an answer for the questions that you have. They're, they're difficult people to be around because they know it all. Paul says, listen, here's my attitude. Although I have been trained with Gamaliel, one of the top Jewish rabbis of the time, and although he was being trained to be the high priest of the nation of Israel, and although he was zealous and he had, had a way of going after Christians to 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 kill them and to imprison them and to hurt them and to stop them from spreading the, spreading the gospel, Paul says, listen, I had this Damascus Road experience. Maybe y'all haven't had one of those, but I did. And I was a chief of the sinners, but Christ has touched my life and has changed me. The old is gone and the new has come, and I am here to tell you, I am that being. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I count all things as lost. And Christ, for the cause of Christ, that to live is Christ and to die is gain. That it's all about Jesus and, and his last words for our staff here. He says, listen, Paul says, as, as an ambassador of Christ, he says, Christ says that our staff needs uh, people who are dissatisfied with their current condition. God wants us to understand and Jesus wants us to understand that we need to be people that are dissatisfied with the current status, where we are today. Right? It may be good and well, but Christ never wants us to settle on what's just here and now. We should always be pushing 
the envelope. We should always be pushing ourselves to a place where if, if it should be so big that we will fail if God's not in it. It should be something that, that we aspire to and put all our efforts into because I'm not satisfied where I am. It's good. It's great. God is doing great things at Coastal, but we should not be satisfied with what is happening here and now. And he's telling these people at their time that, listen, don't be satisfied where you are because God has so much more for, for the building of his kingdom and for you and I that satisfaction is really a curse to growth within the church spiritually. To become a disciple or in this staff meeting, you got to be hungry. You want to have more desire and a greater just response to wanting more of God, more of God, more, more of a God encounters, more experiences with, with God's power through his spirit here in this church, here in that church, and through his kingdom. We shouldn't be satisfied because if we're satisfied, there's only one step away from apathy. And when we are apathetic, that is only one step from apostasy and, and not even being on the staff anymore. So it's, a, it's very important that this is, this is great. What Jesus has done is an awesome thing, and only Christ could do it through the power of his spirit. But this isn't the end. This is just the beginning. There are greater things. So we can't be just satisfied. We ought to have a, a yearning and a passion to go, go further and farther. We want to love God more, have more of God, have more hunger for his word, have an intimacy, a passion, a yearning for him more and more constantly all the time the problem is when we get satisfied we get still and if we're still we've just lost productivity for the kingdom of god the last words that christ gave his staff we are we need we need to to up up it a little bit we need to continue to press forward and move on listen i want and i hope you want to fall deeper in love with jesus because Jesus loved us first, and he sacrificed all for you, for me. And if you were the only person on the planet, he would have done it for you. So I'm, I'm not satisfied. I'm not going to be sitting still waiting to do something for Christ. If you get an opportunity to serve Christ in any manner, go for it. Don't sit still. Don't wait. And I believe that when our hearts are set in that manner, God is going to open doors in such a way. First off, he needs to open the door so we can get out of the building. Because in the building is great, but it's not what it's about at all. This is just to charge us up so we can get out there and do exactly what the staff meeting is all about. Is get out there and hear, hear and do what Christ would have for us. He would also say to these people, knowing that they're getting worn out a little bit or they're Maybe they're getting a little satisfied. He would say, headquarters, they need a staff that is devoted to Jesus. Devotion is huge in the church of Jesus Christ. If we want to up productivity, or in other words, if we want to increase um, uh, the, the status of the church here locally or anywhere, we have to be people that are hungry, and we have to be people who are devoted to Jesus Christ. It says in this text in the 13th verse, it says, this one thing, one thing. Too many times we do too many things 
and in diluting our, our efforts and our energy and our purpose, we put very little effort into the one thing we should be doing, the final staff meeting Christ had. It's great that that church has this and that to offer to, to different segments of society and people and all that. But we got to remember, it needs to be the one thing. Our focus needs to be the one thing. It wants the one thing, the objective that Christ gave his church at that first staff meeting. That we need to be disciples and teach people how to be disciples, baptizing them and doing all that God instructed us. So we need to be devoted Devotion, there's really only two things you need to remember about devotion. Is one, once I was blind, and two, now I can see. We keep those two things in the center of our being. We will be devoted people to Jesus Christ. Um, Pastor, he asked me if I could share a little bit about who I am. Uh, I'm a father. I'm a husband. Father of six, husband of one wife, and... uh, and, and we love Jesus. But the, fact, but the fact of the matter is that on June 14, 1997, at 11.38 in Washington, D.C., on the fourth floor of a hotel room, I was about to check out. I was about to take what I didn't own. And there was no hope left. And I happened to be at a, a Promise Keepers convention or event um, right before staying in the gap. And at that point, all these guys were on fire for Christ, it seemed like. And, and obviously, it was God's divine appointment for me to be there. But the fact of the matter is, and how he set it up was such a beautiful thing. And without going into a lot of details, we had a bunch of guys that went. And I was the only guy that got in my own room, me and the, my colleague. And... Um, we all both had separate rooms, so I had, I had, I went to the conference, it was moving, it was, ex, you know, I experienced a moving uh, event, but when I got to that hotel room, I realized that there was no hope for me, uh, there was a lot of um, uh, obstacles in my way, there was bondages and strongholds that, that have completely taken over and were unbreakable. By, by natural means. Um, so basically what happened at 11.38 on that night, I asked God, I mean, if, if you are real like these people are talking about, I need you to free me. Free me from these bondages and these strongholds that were going to kill me anyway. And it was only by the grace of God that I was still breathing at that point to begin with. But the fact of the matter is, that I asked God to save me, and if he would save me, I would serve him the rest of my life in any capacity he wanted. That's a dangerous thing to do, but <laughs> there was no hope, and there was no tomorrow. So. so before I got off my knees, those bondages were broken. There was a freedom and a liberty in which I had never experienced, ever. And from that day to this day, Liberty and freedom reign still. So the fact of the matter is, I was dead. I was blind. But now I see. That keeps me motivated for the kingdom of God. That keeps me purposed to stay, if need be, in front of the staff 
and expound upon the, the truth that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And for you today, it's no different than then. Devotion. What does devotion look like in a believer? It looks like one who abides in Christ. One who abides in Christ. John 15, 4, 5, and 6 says, Remain united to me, and I will remain united to you. It may be a little different up there. And a branch cannot bear fruit by itself. It can do so only if it remains in the vine in the same way. In the same way, you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will bear much fruit. For you can do nothing without me. Anybody say amen to that? tell you what those who do not remain in me are thrown out like a branch and dried up such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and where they are burned now you can make all kinds of doctrines out of that and people do but i'm not here to talk about doctrines i'm here to talk about jesus and his meeting and his staff and what this whole thing's about that text right there tells me one very important thing and the main thing is what we ought to be focusing on and not fighting about the, the secondary or the, the minors. Let's stick to the majors. He says, devotion is an everyday experience with a living God. People who are devoted to Jesus Christ is not a Sunday morning only thing. It's a 24-7, 365. It's all the time. The church of Jesus Christ is the church outside of the building in which we meet in. And to follow the staff's directions, we need to be out there shedding the gospel, spreading the gospel for Jesus Christ. Amen? So he's telling these guys and girls and, and believers, he's like, listen, you got to be dissatisfied with status quo. We got to push forward, not stopping. We're going forward. And second, he says, you got to be people that are devoted to the cause, to Christ, without a doubt. Jesus needs a staff with a direction with a direction. We just can't be floating around doing our own thing. There is no such thing as a, a, a lone ranger Christian. We are a part of his body, the body of Christ. Many parts, one body. You matter. We need to be people, Christ is telling us in this meeting, that follow his directives. So to follow his directives, what does he tell us to do? He says, forgetting the things which are behind. Now, this is probably the hardest thing that, that believers need to experience. But sometimes we, we have more difficulties because we don't understand maybe the correct interpretation or, or what we call words have meaning. And a lot of people throw words out there and, and don't even know what the meaning of the word is. And sometimes that messes, up, messes with our head and throws us in different directions. If we're going to be people that are called of God, by God, to further his kingdom, to do greater things than you've ever seen before, he's saying, listen, you have to forget the past, right? Forget the past. Well, the word forget here in the original language does not mean forget, like we, like we are no longer in our brain. Like it means not to be influenced by any longer. So it's not that we forget the past because that may be an error altogether. Sometimes we need to not forget. But the truth of it is that we need to allow God to, to wipe the influence of it away. And that happens by those two things that we talked about already. Especially the devotion part. 24-7, 365. We, if we're devoted to the things of God, 
all the time, he will help us wipe away the influence of the, of the past. Wipe it away. He goes on, he says, listen, let the past go. There is nothing good that can come from the past in the sense of today's productivity at all. Listen, those people, we've all made mistakes. We've all blown it. Paul, he started his little talk here out saying that. I have not arrived yet. I don't have a spirit of religion. I have a, I have a love for Christ. I don't need to portray myself as something because apart from Christ, we are nothing. He knows that the fact of the matter is that the truth is that we've all made mistakes. You have to let it go. You have to allow the influence to no longer impact you. Some people, not you, somebody in your row, they, they may have a hard time forgiving themselves. And if that's you today, I just got to share a, a truth with you. If your past has been so influential that you cannot forgive yourself for whatever, you have just elevated your spot, your personhood above God. You have just placed, you may think it's, it's, it's a humbling thing or, or some, there's some kind of status to the fact that you just can't forgive yourself. But let me tell you, you are sinning if you do not forgive yourself. Because you have just elevated yourself to a higher position, higher position than Christ. Christ has forgiven you. Remember, we're talking to believers. Okay, so if you're in this room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we'll talk later. But for the church, he's saying, listen, you have to forgive yourself. If you don't, you are, you, you're playing God because I have forgiven you of your sins, past, present, and future. So let it go. Don't allow it to happen. The past is not worth taking any time away from the present. There's nothing you can do about the past. And you're not guaranteed tomorrow. All we have is here and now. That's it. So because all we have here is now, this is where our energy and our focus needs to be. Do not allow your past to be so dear that it limits your present. Let it go. Just let it go. Listen, when, when this illustration of a runner, he's running the race, he's, he's, he's pressing on. It says in the second part of the text, it says, stretching forward, stretching forward to the things which are before you. And the imagery here is a runner pressing to the finish line. And, and you know how they, they lean forward with their, with their chest and their, their chin? To get to that line full, the, the same. That's what he's talking about. That we should be people who are, are not satisfied with what's going on. We need more of Jesus. We need more of God. We need more of God's things in our lives. And we need more sharing time to do so. We aren't people who are going to be, we need to be people who are devoted. And we also need to know that we are, we are pressing in a direction that is for the glory of God and the good of his church and for us. He says, listen, I'm going to stretch forward. When a runner is sprinting to the finish line, he's not looking over his shoulder or around or up in the stands, in the clouds. He's looking right to where he needs to go. And he stretched to that line because that is where Jesus is. The finish line or the goal or the mark in the next verse is the presence of Christ. However you get there, that's irrelevant. But the finish line is either the rapture of the church 
or you going home to be with Christ. He says, we got to be people of direction, going in one direction. We're all pulling in one direction. We want to see God's hand and his anointing move in our lives and in this church. we got to be pulling and stretching forth in one direction, together, for one cause. Do we agree with each other all the time? No. Should we? Probably not. But the fact is that we are unified in the body of Christ. We are unified in the body of Christ. That is where we are. That's where we should be going. That is what the staffer would tell us if he was here today. You should love one another as I have loved you. And doing so, the world will know that you are my disciples before the love that you show one to another. In other words, we're going together. We're going to do life together. We're going to finish the race together. Hopefully, it will all happen at the same time. But together, we will achieve what God has called us to do and be. Never allow it to happen. Listen, when they're stretching forward, Christianity and all those other Christianese words, it is a, it is a, a faith movement. It moves. It's never still. Our faith should never be still. It shouldn't stay in one spot because God is never still. God is always moving. And if we want to be on that wave, we want to, to move with the wave and not being still. We don't create the wave. God is the creator of all things. But we can ride the wave <laughs> for the glory of God. Amen? Amen? Direction in a believer looks like one who is a doer of the word. That's what it looks like. Life application. J- James 1.21 says, So get rid of every filthy habit and wicked conduct. Submit to God and accept the words that he plants in your hearts, which is able to save you. Do not deceive yourself church by just listening to his word be doers of his word or put it into practice that's what a church with a direction looks like we have a purpose and a plan and 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 his word is our directives the staff meeting came from his word there is the final authoritative position is his word And a church who is moving forward with Christ will move forward with Christ in his word. And then finally, Jesus would say to his staff through the Apostle Paul, headquarters needs a staff that has determination. In other words, we got to press on. Be determined that this is the deal. In verse 14 it says, I press on towards the goal or the mark. Or the finish line. It actually refers to the white lines on a runner's track in the Olympics. There's the mark. There's the finish line. There it is. Sprint towards it. Go towards it. Everybody move towards it. The beautiful, here, here's what I believe he's saying in his heart, in the heart or the spirit of the text. He's saying, listen, I know that life is tough. I know things are difficult. I know that it's just not a cake walk in the park. It's not a cakewalk. I know that there's obstacles and powers and principalities that are coming against the you that will slow you down. Be determined to get to the line. Press through is what he's saying. Be determined that I'm going to get there. Why is the line so important? Let me tell you, if you're running or doing anything that is, that is exhausting, it could be mentally, 
physically, spiritually. If you're running and you don't know where the finish line is and it's getting hard, you're going you're gonna to be more apt to quit because you just don't know how much longer you can go. But let me tell you, if, if there is a finish line, if there is something that you can see, if there's a light at the end of the tunnel, you are more apt to press through to get to the finish line because you know it's just there. It's right there, and I can get to it. I know where it's at. If I can't see it, if it's over the horizon and I can't see it, odds are I'm going to quit before I get to the top of the hill. We have to be determined to press through, press on towards the finish line for the high prize of Christ, for the high prize of Christ. We need to run the race even when it gets hard. We need to be devoted people and determined people and people that, that are not satisfied with what's happening just now, but what God is about to do. The upward call is just people make all kinds of things out of this. Um, in all different circles of Christianity, they, they can take this text and make it say whatever they want it to say. But the truth of the matter is that the, the spirit of the text is that there is a finish line, and you will reach it. So just be determined that nothing is going to stop that. Nothing or no one. Determination in a believer looks like one who counts the cost. Listen, I ask you right now, and, and, I, and just whatever the answer comes to your head real quick, just lock it up for a second. I ask you a question right here, right now. Will you help build the next building for this church? Will you, will you help build a church building or a facility Life center, whatever it may be for this church. What's the first question you think in your heart and your in your spirit to yourself? If you're going to be real, what would it be? Somebody shout it out. Okay. She's fully devoted and she's on the right track. But for those of us that aren't there, what's our first question we ask? What's it going to cost? Come on. You guys should have got that one. Guys are all about the cost. <laughs> the, a woman says, yeah, spend the money. Do it. Yes, no problem. But we got to count the cost. We would say, for me to build the building, I have to know what it costs. To be committed to it, we got to count the cost. Luke 14, 26, and 27, and I'm done. It says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brother, and sister, and as well his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That's a heavy text, but it's got, a, it's got a powerful meaning. Whoever does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Staff meeting. We need you to be a disciple. I need you to teach you to be disciples, and I need you to, to baptize and do all the stuff I told you to do. He says, listen, if you are not willing to carry the cross, or in other words, to count the cost, you cannot be my disciple doesn't matter what church background you came from. It doesn't matter how much money you put in the offering plate. It doesn't matter if you walked an aisle sometime and said a prayer somewhere. It does not matter. His words said you cannot be a disciple if you are not willing to carry the cross. That's heavy. The truth of the matter is Jesus isn't saying, he isn't saying you need to hate your mother and your father and your brothers and your sisters. You need to be, be just hateful people and just Carry your cross to, a, to a, a miserable end. That's not what he's saying. He's saying nothing 
and no one and no, th- no timing, nothing at all can, stop, can be in front of me, Jesus would say. I have to be number one. And a lot, of, a lot of times problems within relations is because we get that mixed up, especially husbands and wives or, or fiancés and, and all that and, you know, potential married couples and, and children of, of married couples and, and people. The fact of the matter is if you put your spouse before Christ, the more likely your, your marriage is going to fail. You put your children in front of Christ, you're going to have a lot of heartache. You put anything in front of Christ, and you are out of order. And nothing out of balance rolls well. Christ says to us today, listen, I have to be first. There could be a great set of waves coming. But if I need you over there, you go over there. And I'll just close with this. Um, all week, my wife's been gone all week, right? And she probably won't watch this, but <laughs> my boat's been in my gr- driveway all weekend, all week. And the sun, and it's been beautiful almost all week. And my being wants to be on my boat because we all know that fishing is a biblical sport. <laughs> and that's really an act of obedience to fish. <laughs> So I'm being torn between, see, I told my wife, we've been remodeling our bathroom, and, and I'm not a real good multi-purpose kind of guy. I got to do one thing at a time, and, and I have this, this boat, shower, boat, shower. Do I finish the shower? I told my wife I'd finish it before she gets back, back and forth, and it's like almost perfect weather. I mean, it's not hot no more. I mean, the, the water's probably turning the fish on, and <laughs> it's probably a good time. But I chose to work on the shower, dear, and, and believe God for another great next week. But that the truth of the matter is that there's got to be some discipline within the church to follow his directive, to follow the staff's directive so that we can be and go to the next step. There is about to be another huge step in this place. I don't know what it is, but I know it's happening. I don't know when it's happening, but it'll be clear when it does. And when it does, staff, we all need to strive and push together. We all need to see that the purpose of whatever's coming, the finish line is before us, and we need to make sure we are all hitting that mark together. God is a good God, and he's a faithful God, and he wants us This week, I challenge you this week, what is your cost? What is it that Christ is asking you to pay as you count the cost to be a disciple of his? What is it? It can be anything, and it will be different for everybody. If you're not counting the cost, we're not as productive as God would want us to be. Jesus loves you. He sacrificed for you and and his church and the world for that matter. We, because of his directives, need to be people who are willing to go for it, to be real, and and, and to blow it. Mess it up. Mess it up. But God can straighten it up. 
We do what God asks us to do, and we leave all the rest to him. And then you can go surfing or fishing or whatever you do. God is a good God. And listen, if you're here today and you don't understand any of this, like I've been talking Chinese, it's completely blank to you, you have no experience with any of this, and you don't have that 24 7 365 thing with christ god says if you believe in his son and the work that he did on your behalf he says no one will he cast out who comes to him he says that that i died for the sins of the world see we have a problem it's a debt we can't pay and listen every single person on the planet has that debt you're not some one individual set in a corner somewhere guilty. We're all guilty. And it's only by the sacrifice of Christ on that cross for the payment of my sins and yours can we be free. That night or early morning that I was delivered and, and redeemed and freed, that can be you. That can be you. You just got to ask him. See, I didn't have a pastor with me. I didn't have anybody with me. Probably Satan. But I didn't have anybody with me. You could do it on your own. Matter of fact, God says no man comes to me unless I draw him. The truth of the matter is that we are dead in our transgressions and sins. The truth is that the word for death in that text is necros, which means a corpse. We don't do anything. We don't grab no life preserver. We don't reach up. We don't do it. God gets you and breathes life into you spiritually. You receive it and you're changed. You don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to say a prayer even. Biblically, you are redeemed by the work of the cross through Christ and illuminated by his spirit. So if that's you and this is convicting you and you're feeling really uneasy right now, like this guy, I wish he'd end and let's get out of here. If that's you, just talk to them. Just talk to the thing we call, or this person, excuse me, this person we call God, and see what happens. See what happens, okay? And the rest of us, we know that we are saved without a shadow of a doubt because once I was blind, now I can see. We know that we know, and nobody's going to push me off that. If that's you, then this week, while you're counting your cost, tell somebody that. Let somebody know. Listen, if you are a believer, sealed by the Spirit, given all that Christ has promised you and all his, all his giftings, all his promises for the church, I want you to ask yourself a question. Who am I discipling? Who am I discipling? And we'll let God handle the rest from there. If we're in this and we are all in, I hope we are all in for the purposes of God in the kingdom. You know, I guess I'm not a surfer. You can probably tell that. <laughs> but, but, you know, I'm sure there's a, a point, and I've got to end it up like this. I'm sure there's a point where a surfer person has to pick, is this it? Is this the one I'm going to ride? Or am I going to drop in? There you go. I'm getting head shaking, so I'm close. <laughs> am I going to drop in on this wave right here or not? Listen, 
we're all in. Once you drop in, you're in. Drop in and see what God has for you and, and, and what's going to happen. Remember, 24-7, 365, we all blow it. But it's, he said that no matter where you go, I'm there. If you're going to follow the directives in the staff meeting and you do what I ask you to do, I'm there. So let's go for it. Let's take Pastor Lucas's message last week and put it into action. Apply it to our life. The word, it's live, moving, and active. And I know I'm running long because I'm, I'm long-winded. <laughs> but I promise, whenever you hear somebody say, and I'm done, don't believe them. <laughs> but really, truly, let's pray. How about that? Let's just do that. Let's pray. Father, for it is in your mighty son's name that we approach you today. Lord, we acknowledge that your sovereignty and your majesty and, your, and, and, and all that you are, are are too big for us to understand completely. Lord, we, we thank you for loving us so much that you sent your son to sacrifice and die on a tree to pay the price for a sinner like me. So, Lord, today I thank you for your life lived here on earth with us, for the perfect teachings and, and, and the suffering and the sacrifice in which you endured. And, Lord, I thank you that, that those that you have, nothing will take them from you. So, Lord, today I, I, I bless you, and we bless you as a church, and we thank you, God, that, that you loved us so much that you sent another, that you sent your spirit here to your believers, to your, to your staff. And God, as, as the staff in Brunswick County proclaims with our lips and our actions today, God, we choose to serve you. Lord, no matter what the cost, you're first. Lord, just as your servant declared, this day we will choose. We choose to serve you, Lord. We choose to, to follow your directives and your, and your meeting points. Lord, we want to be your staff. Matter of fact, we want to be your best staff out of all your regions, out of all your staff. May these people, may us be your number one staff. May we glorify you by our actions and by our heart's desires. And Lord, if there is one or two or however, how many, for those watching by way of internet and for every other aim or, or any other media venue that they may be watching or listening, God loves you. Lord, I thank you that you love us and that you've made a way. Lord, bless us as we bless you. Lord, I pray and we agree together now in Jesus' name for a multitude of souls for the kingdom of God through the efforts of Coastal Vineyard. Lord, we know we can't do anything apart from you. Matter of fact, we know we are nothing without you. But Father, today we thank you. We thank you in advance, Lord, for the, for the next wave. Lord, bring a set that is just beyond our imagination. And then give us the courage to drop in on it. We bless you today. 
We honor you, Lord. Father, may the meditations of our hearts and all that is within us be pleasing in your sight. Bless your church as they go. Holy Spirit, we, we petition you, we, we urge you to give us clarity and understanding. Lord, give us the ability to, to see an opening, to be a vessel in which you can pour through to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, there's one thing I know, that we have not arrived. But this one thing we do is to press on for your glory and our good. Now, Lord, for every need in this place, I pray it's yes and amen for your glory and the fulfillment of your promises in the lives of your people. We ask a special blessing and prayer for Pastor Lucas and his family, Lord, and all those other people surfing or whatever they're doing. Father, we ask your blessing to illuminate and refresh and just pour out, pour out your purpose and your plan. We thank you for your life. We thank you for your word. We give you honor and glory. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people would say, amen. Thank you, Lord. I guess this is where I say, have a wonderful week. And we'll see you Wednesday. Come and pray and be blessed.